The New Activist is presented by International Justice Mission, who remains deeply committed to the work of justice for the oppressed. To find out more about the work of IJM or to follow them on social, head to IJM.org. Well, this is The New Activist, a show that features conversations with activists and leaders who are tackling some of the world's biggest humanitarian issues from the front lines of injustice. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and it is a joy to be with you today as we welcome our very special guest, Laura Thompson-Osuri. Laura is the founder of Homes Not Borders in the D.C. area. Their mission is to provide the refugee and asylum-seeking population of the area with all they need to succeed and feel at home in the United States. It is really important work. This work for her grew out of her involvement with National Community Church. For years, Laura led NCC's refugee care agency team, working with their local resettlement agencies and refugee families directly. And so today we're going to hear a little bit about Laura's trajectory. She is such an interesting, fun to talk to, practical person. I'm glad that we get to learn from her today. As a note, this year on The New Activist, we are highlighting a lot of local organizations. And the hope, like we talked about before last week, is that if you are in the area, you can be a part of their work. But if you are not, I hope that we can learn together about the broader issue they are working to solve and maybe even start our own great local solution. So that's what we continue today as we spend time with Laura Thompson-Osuri. Obviously, I wanted to talk about um, Homes Not Borders, Mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about kind of, you know, your bio, that you are the founder of Homes Not Borders. But I I wanted to know if you would kind of give us the elevator speech of what what it is and, and what you all do. Um, yeah, Homes Not Borders' mission is to provide refugees and asylum-seeking population of, D- of the D.C. area with all they need to succeed and feel at home in the United States. So we do that through um, kind of two different avenues. The first is through um, providing them with the actual home. The uh, resettlement agencies find the apartments, and then we help set them up with furniture and household items, and then help them provide those items along the way as well. Um, so we work directly with the resettlement agencies to make sure that when they walk in the door, they have a you know lovely, comfortable home to go into. Uh, and then we also, um, just this year, we haven't been around long, we, we started um, helping in the way of jobs as well. Uh, we have a career mentoring kind of track, uh, partnering um, newly resettled refugees and SIVs, which are special immigrant visa holders. Um, who worked with the U.S. government, and most of them speak English and have advanced degrees and whatnot. So we we partner those individuals with people in their field in the U.S. kind of as a as a peer mentoring relationship. Uh, and then we have a small, but um, you know, hopefully we'll grow at some point. Kind of carpentry training program um, we've uh, started working on. Um, we just get a lot of beat up furniture, and so um, and we. Um, have a lot of handy people that are volunteers, so we're kind of working huh. on on helping training refugees, um, you know, SIVs, anyone who's interested in in kind of carpentry skills, so they can then make their own items and sell them as an additional stream of income. So, is there a particularly high refugee population in the DC area, or how did this need come to be uh, something that you felt like you and and your and Homes Not Borders could fill? Homes Not Borders kind of started as. Um, as we originally a mission of National Community Church, which is a big church in Washington, D.C., uh, which I also attend. Um, and they in, 
the end of 2016, with a huge influx of Syrians in the area and in the nation, uh, they kind of started a uh, refugee care ministry. And I was part of that ministry, you know, kind of the group, the founding group of that. And um, they were kind of four areas that they were going to address. And one of them was dealing with, um, not dealing with, but, you know, working with the uh, resettlement yeah. agencies. And when I got in contact with the three resettlement agencies we have in the area, um, which are IRC and then LSS, which is Lutheran Social Services, and then ECDC, um, they, all they said their greatest need at that point, and probably still is, is um, having people help, you know, prepare the homes for newly resettled refugees. Um, so, um, and to that, just for more detail than you probably want, but by a uh, state department mandate, any newly resettled refugee or any newly settled, whatever re- refugee needs to yeah. have in their home, like a, there's a whole list, a literal list of, you know, they need to have one couch and enough chairs for everybody in the family and, you know, four really? forks if there's four people. And yeah, so it's a very detailed list. So it, it's, the, so they need to have that when they upon arrival. So if the refugee care agents, if the um, resettlement agencies don't have those items donated, which they often don't, then the then the refugees are literally paying for those items themselves, like you know a dollar a fork kind of thing. I mean, there's this whole like checklist kind of thing. Um, wow. So um, uh, some resettlement agencies work with churches and synagogue, you know, places of worship to try and sponsor families and stuff. But again, with a huge influx in 2016. Um, you know, I, obviously they couldn't cover it all. Um, so the, yeah, so we kind of decided to step up and help out in that realm and provide as much as we could. I mean, we originally, so we originally started just kind of providing, um, you know, kind of the, the household items and extras of them, you know, giving them a full set of dishes and not just four plates if they were, you know, four people kind yeah. of thing. Um, and we started doing that. And then by the end of this 2017, we started um, providing all the furniture as well. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how we started out. Wow. Who came up with this idea? It seems like such a simple uh, answer to such a practical need, but like not everybody was doing it. How did, how did this idea come to be? I mean, it just came, it just came to be because we asked the, um, the resettlement agencies kind of what they're, you know, we want to help you. How can we help you best? And this is, was the answer we got just helping provide homes to all the, you know, to newly resettled refugees or probably, you know, the household names in the home. Um, so yeah, it just kind of came about like that. And I, I mean, I've been in touch with a lot, I, I know a lot of other organizations, you know, refugee care organizations in other parts of the United States. And there's not many that, that do this directly. A lot provide items, you know, after the fact kind of thing. Some people do Google, uh, Amazon wish lists for families and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, but we, we just kind of, kind of have, a, you know, found a rhythm. We found, we have storage that the church originally sponsored and now we have our own storage, you know, we have a core group of volunteers, though with COVID, it's really changed things. Um, but yeah, we, yeah, we do, you know, we have a schedule. We always do set up some Mondays and we, we kind of work with all three resettlement agencies well. So it, it really, it really just kind of everything, you know, it, 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 everything always works out as planned. So it's, it's crazy how it always does. Yes. Yeah. So this came as an outgrowth of National Community yeah. Church. Like you said, the refugee, what was it, the refugee care yeah. agency team, yeah, yeah. right? How does this evolve from that into its own its own functional nonprofit? Yeah, I mean, that's like a good question. What pro- was the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good question. Um, yeah. So it evolved. It. I mean, it just became a lot of work. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. leading it and then we had, we had, you know, a core group of volunteers helping out, um, you know, honey, volunteer organization. There's always like kind of people that, you know, take on more than they should or, you know, Know, take more than other people. Um, so, I mean, so me and those, those kind of key people um, were like, we got to, you know, if we want to serve 
the population better, you know, help with every, because we couldn't, I mean, there was points where we could not provide everything to, you know, to, there'd be too many families coming one in one week. And we'd, you know, we'd always try to provide something. We'd, we'd say, Hey, to the, you know, the um, resettlement agency, like, you know, you can come to our storage and find what you want, but we can't help set up, you know, those kind of things. So we'd always try to help out. And then also there was just the need for jobs. Like everybody we would talk to would be like, you know, great. Thanks for the couch or, you know, the new baby guys, but you know, what I really need is a job better than, you know, one at Walmart or something like that. So, um, uh, so yeah, so we, we just want to address that need as well. Um, so yeah, so we, um, so yeah, in 2019, the beginning of 2019, we just kind of, I guess we were in operation for about two years, you know, as the mission of National Community Church, um, that we, me and, um, some of these key volunteers kind of got a, a plan together, business plan together, um, to become a nonprofit and presented to the, um, to the missions, you know, the lead of the missions and one of the pastors at NCC. And I mean, they thought it was a great idea and they thought this is where it should go. Um, and to that, I, I had started a nonprofit before um, in the homeless services realm. It's called Street Sense, if you want to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a home, it's a newspaper, a street newspaper that homeless people sell and make an income on and read for. And um, anyway, so I, I started that several years ago. Good Lord, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, like 2004, right? Yeah, so you've read up. Yes, 2004. So yeah, so anyways, I... Oh yeah, we, we've got Street Sense questions okay, on the way. Great. But yes, keep but going. Anyways, yes. But, so but, you start, but so yeah. I started it, and the, actually the woman who was in charge, who is in charge of mission still, um, Jill, she also was in homeless service. So I knew her from that. So she knew, you know, it, it wasn't a crazy idea because I tell people that, 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 you know, to both of us, it was like, oh, this makes sense, you know. So, you know, so it, it made sense that, I, that this would kind of be the direction of it. And I think Jill... And the church kind of had a sense of that too. So, and they've been great supporters so far. I mean, we just, I mean, <laughs> they just stopped paying for storage, um, you know, nearly two years later. Um, and yeah, so they've been great and, huh. you know, talk about us all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. So then why did you name it Homes Not Borders? Good question. Good question. <laughs> just kidding. Um, it's a, it is a, it's a great name that I feel like I could extrapolate, but I'm curious, like that's a, it's a strong name and it's got a lot of implications. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We got some pushback about that from some people in the church <laughs> saying it was too political, but we're like, anyways, don't, it makes me crazy that people yeah. politicize no, refuge, like serving. Well, that's the, my next question. So if you want to go there, let's <laughs> just talk about it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I get, because I mean, we want to, you know, we're not promoting open borders. I mean, that's another you know, can of worms to discuss, uh -huh. but, but, you know, we feel that, yeah. that the focus should be, you know, helping our neighbor and providing homes for our neighbors and not focusing on, you know, where they're come from and what borders they're crossing and that kind of thing. And, you know, that doesn't matter. It matters that we need to welcome them, you know, meet them where they're at. So, so you, you, you walked into it a little bit, but I was going to ask the topic of refugee care and resettlement has become in in recent years, just increasingly polarizing and political. So I am wondering if people within your community have questioned why you and your team would put such resources into this kind of project and follow up. How do you respond? How, how did you respond to that? No, I mean, our, I don't know if you mean by my community DC or my community, the Christian <laughs> church. I, or? I kept it, I kept it broad, okay. <laughs> but I guess, well, let's start within like the church. Was there any pushback about the church get doing such direct care for refugees? The, the you know, service and serving those okay. less fortunate is very central to national community church. And right. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a political mm -hmm. thing at all. Um, 
but I mean, just in general, though, I mean, uh, there's been, a, I mean, there was somebody in the church originally that, you know, amongst somebody in the church that t- about our name that was had issues with it saying it was, you know, sounded political. And we're like, well, it's not political. And, you know, <laughs> taking care of the yeah. less fortunate should not be political, you know, welcoming the neighbor, welcoming the refugee. I mean, it literally says it in the Bible. So, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, how is it political? So, yeah. Well, good for National Community Church. That's awesome. So, as this program has, continued um and and grown i'm curious what the the results have been and i don't mean it just in terms of like individual like x number of people though that's interesting if you've got it but um what are the the people and the faces and the the stories that you've interacted with that have that have made this meaningful i mean this the it's just it's lovely you know it's been really meaningful just to meet you know the people and meet the refugees and meet yeah. the SIVs and just um you know realize kind of how we've helped them out, you know, we, we, we just basic with basic needs, just providing them a home to go into, um, you know, a lot of these, I mean, again, we, we say we've, you know, a lot of people are SIV, so they have come from a normal, they have come from a home. They haven't moved from a refugee camp to here kind of thing, um, or some sort of holding place. They've literally come from their home to here. So we really, yeah. uh, we really try to make it as, you know, nice as possible. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. um, we do it for everybody, but I mean, we especially keep that in mind as well. And it's just lovely to see that people are, you know, that they're so happy to come into a home that has, you know, pictures on the wall and, you know, full sets of silverware and plates and, um, you know, toys for their children. They always love all the different toys for the kids and stuff like that hmm. and TVs and, you know, all that stuff now. And now with COVID, we're trying to provide everybody with like laptops, all the families that we um, we set up for with laptops and for computers because um, that's kind of a necessary or a necess- necessity now as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just great to hear the stories of that. Um, um, and then as well, I mean, it's just a great to see the, um, that we have a lot, a lot in this area, the, the, um, they the refugees, the new refugees and SIVs kind of resettle in the same places in the same apartment complexes, just the way the relationships are with the resett- with resettlement agencies. You know, they found a good couple landlords that, um, you know, that because it's yeah. you know honestly, if you're a landlord and you're trying to rent to a to somebody who doesn't actually exist in this country yet, you know, I understand the, mm. the problem. But anyway, so they all these three different apartment complexes they go to, and anyway, so we keep you know, moving new people in, new people move out. And it's great to see that like when we have uh, set up and uh, some of the people we have set up for before, you know, some Afghan guys or some Iraqi guys are coming to help us, you know, move furniture for this new family that's coming in and just kind of seeing everything come full circle. So it's neat to, you know, see that they want to give back because we gave to them kind of thing. And that's really, really nice to see. So Yeah. What is the, how how long do they stay in, in the homes that you all have created? I mean, they, like typically. typically, I would say probably a year or two. I mean, you know, and then oh, and wow. then they move. No, no. I mean, this is a real apartment. There. I mean, do you think? Oh, wow, that's shorter. Oh, wow, that's long. Oh no, I. It's longer than I thought. I was just thinking, like, uh, that's a long. That's a. That's a long. That's a. I imagine there's a lot of need and a lot of people coming in that need the apartments. So or and the homes. So that means there would be a lot of homes to find furnishing for. Mm-hmm. Right, there would be a massive amount of need to try to fill. Right, if they're staying there for a year, it's not like they're staying for a week and you can turn over. Oh no, 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 like, like a hotel. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, once we set up a home, it's theirs. We never. Well, that's not oh. true. Occasionally, we've gotten things recycled, but yeah, usually it's theirs. They move yeah. with it, or they do whatever they want with it at that point. Um, so yeah, and it is actually when we because because we don't always get to know the families we set up for um, because. We don't meet them. Um, you know, we, we set up before they actually arrive. I mean, oftentimes we do later, but sometimes we don't. Um, 
Got it. Um, but yeah, so it's a brand new, yeah, brand new apartment for everybody. Um, we set up homes for, I think it was about 60% of the resettled individuals in the DC area, um, roughly. So that's unbelievable. We tried to do our best. I, so. <laughs> yeah, that's really incredible. Um, kind, kind of shifting a bit, like I know that we have a mutual friend in Christina who is a filmmaker and also produces this show. Um, and she said that, you know, at one point she was doing, I think a short film on, on you and your work with, uh, with homes, not borders. And she said that one of the things that struck her was that your kids were a part oh, yeah. of like, yeah, like used helping. To do kids ministry right? for my kids. So she knows. <laughs> right. Right. And so it's like, they're, they were a part of like, unloading stuff yeah, from a yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. And I guess broadly, like we haven't gotten to talk to a lot of activists who uh, who so clearly like their kids are a part of it. I'm curious what that does for a kid and what that teaches a kid to be a part of actively serving in, in this world. Oh, no, that's a good question. That's interesting because it's just... I mean, it's uh, from my perspective, it's, I mean, this, you can include this or not, but it's, it's about convenience for me. I'm like, you're coming along because I don't have anywhere yeah, to put you right, right now. Um, no. <laughs> or you're coming along because my, I have a 12 year old now, like, you know, you can actually carry things for me, uh, you know, uh, but no, I mean, to yeah. that, I mean, they, 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 uh, they enjoy it and they like it. And uh, it's neat to see that they, they, uh, you know, they like to see the kind of home change as well. And they like to, meet the families when we get to meet the families and that's kind of thing. Um, so yeah, no, I think, I think it, I think it's really good, uh, if you have kids to help, you know, get them into service as much as possible so they can see, you know, they can do good. And also just, you know, meeting, dealing with, not dealing, but, you know, working with refugees, you know, meet yeah. somebody that's not quite like them, you know, that lives in a different environment. Yeah. You know, we live in a single family home, um, you know, seeing these people in the apartment complexes and that sort of thing. So it's really, you know, I think it's really has, you know, put an impression upon my children in a good way, I think, I hope. Yeah. Um, it, it, the other part of it too, that I was interested about with your stories, you had mentioned earlier that you uh, were the editor and executive director of Street mm -hmm. Sense, which, uh, I'm telling this to the audience, you know this, obviously, which is a DC newspaper uh, for, so explain it to me because I've never read Street Sense. So it was a newspaper that sold by homeless individuals. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, right? called a okay. street paper. You could Google it. It's a, there's probably two dozen in the US and several, you know, probably, you know, probably 60 around the world, I say. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, the concept is it's a newspaper that homeless people, that is about homeless and poverty issues. Um, some are more general these days. And then it's sold by homeless individuals um, and they make a profit on the papers that they sell. Um, and so, yeah, we st I started that in 2003 and it's, you know, going strong today. So, yeah, it's like we're going really strong. It's like a big yeah. media <laughs> it organization. Is, it, is, it is. So it's, it's gone pretty good. So, you yeah. say it so uh, matter of factly, <laughs> though, but if it's like a pretty big thing to start this, like, how did you get the idea to start this? Where did this come from? Well, that origin story is um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was out. There's a one in Seattle, or there still is, um, yeah. Yeah. that, um, called Real Change. And I saw, I was out in Seattle visiting a friend and I saw that and thought it was a great idea and looked into why there wasn't one in DC. I was living in DC at the time. I've never, well, I left briefly to go to New York, but yeah. Um, and came back and just, you know, didn't wonder why there wasn't one in DC and looked into it. And um, I'm a, I have a journalism background. I studied that and was a uh, reporter for a long time until I went to Street Sense, I guess. Um, and so I just thought it was a great idea, you know, you know, merging kind of journalism and, you know, just, you know, wanting to do good and help the homeless community. Uh, so, yeah, so I looked into it and contacted the National Coalition for the Homeless, which is based in D.C. 
Um, and about the same time, another person did the same thing and contacted them. Um, his name was Ted Henson. His name is still Ted Henson. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so we just kind of got together and, you know, worked on it and kind of got it started. I think I had contacted the National Coalition for the Homeless, um, like earlier on and then it was dropped and anyways and then i think ted came around and they part they said oh talk to this person you know six months later and probably six months after that we got the first issue out it was crazy how quickly we turned it around and, yeah yeah but there were like five thousand copies of that first issue i mean it was like a, it was a massive effort to it, do that just it was the first it was issue. and then we're like oh crap we got to get out a second issue <laughs> and the second issue looked horrible <laughs> right. and was you know it was when you get six months to prepare right. for one issue and then like you know a month for the next one it was not but uh, yeah so yeah it was a big effort and yeah it was uh we uh we did it and it's still still there so yeah so the theme of origin story has permeated apparently this whole interview. And so but and so I'm trying to like rewind this a bit and try to understand you a bit. And I'm not going to try to like be your counselor here, but I am a bit curious um, because you've done two things that a lot of people will never do. You've started two organizations that have made massive impact. And it struck me that both of them deal with essentially kind of the same issue, which is those that with do not have homes, mm -hmm. giving them a home. Is that just, uh, I mean, is that just coincidence or is there something to that? Like, why has that resonated with you that you've put so much of your life into I it? I mean, that's like, you're not the first to ask me this question. Like I, I hmm. had, I mean, maybe it's because like, I didn't, you know, I, I am not a refugee. I'm not, I've never been homeless, you know, none of those kind of things. Um, I'm in fact, as American as they come, my, <laughs> So on my my yeah. family's been here since like this, you know, seventeen hundreds, probably sixteen hundreds. But um, I digress. Um, but no, I think I think it's just um, I, I mean, I don't know. I just I I had a great home life, and you know, I just want other people to have the same. I guess maybe that's kind of I guess where it's at. I mean, my dad, my mom too. I don't want to just my mom, but my you know, I my they've always been like a uh you know, push to serve and help others and that kind of thing always in my family. So I guess that has resonated as well. So I don't know. Yeah. I am. It's just so interesting because you're such an entrepreneur. Do you feel like an entrepreneur? I mean, I, like, sure. <laughs> okay. So yes, I mean, cool. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like if there's a yeah. need, you know, then you should fill it, I guess, you know, if where there's a need, yeah. you should fill it. And also I feel like, you know, I always have kind of motivated by the idea that, you know, make the world a better place you know, when you leave, the world should be a better place kind of thing. And, you know, I feel like that's definitely, definitely been my motivation. So yeah. Why do you think that entrepreneurial, I mean, I guess you kind of answered it, but I, I'm curious if there's like anything more to why your entrepreneurial spirit seems to be connected to areas of philanthropy instead of, you know, you appearing on Shark Tank with the next great, you know, invention. Is there... Do, do you know why that your your energy has been focused toward, so directly towards that? I mean, just it's easier as I, going back to, you know, kind of leaving the world a better place. I think it's easier to, you know, do it through service than through, you know, some crazy new invention. Um, so I guess that's. I love how practical. I love it. It's just so clear and practical. <laughs> sorry, I love sorry. It. Uh, you, you don't need I'm to be. I'm not like, I, do you I know the really... Myers-Briggs too? I'm like not, I mean, you. I'm sure you know the Myers-Briggs. And yeah. like, there's a stereotypical, yeah. like, you know, nonprofit leader stare like the INFP, whatever yeah. it is. And I'm not yeah. that. It's the fun. I'm like the opposite of it. So. Oh, yeah. See, I'm very much that. Just all no, feelings and heart. No, I am an ENTJ. Like, or I'm like the like president of a company, like the military director yeah. kind of one. That's what I am. So I'm like. You and I are literally the opposite. the opposite. the opposite, fully. exactly. I did like some. And we can... <laughs> 
<laughs> we can feel it and hear it. I love it because I'm asking you feeling questions and you're like, I don't know. I'm just, I just did it, right? This is what we need exactly, to do. Exactly. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. No, I think it's great. Um, I, I do want to know though, like there is a, there is a application piece to this though, which is that there are, you know, 23 year olds listening who have an idea in their back pocket and they're like, this is the idea that's going to help this thing I care about. Um, you, you know, you said it so matter of factly, you went to Seattle, you saw that this newspaper was happening. I thought I should start it in DC, made a call done. Like it was all very linear the way you started it. But I'm curious, like there are a lot of people that sit on these ideas, hold on to these ideas and you know, are waiting to take those steps. I'm curious what advice you would oh, give I to them. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah no. to, to help them, to help them do, do the it thing now that while you're they, 23. That is my advice to you now before you have children, before you have a husband, before you have a house or baggage. Oh my goodness, man. I was so, it was so much easier when I was 23. I think I started street sense when I was 24 or something like that. But yeah. Um, it's, is it easier just because you have more, what is it? More, more time, time, more energy, everything. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's way okay. easier. It's just do it now. Yeah, and also it's so much easier when you're younger. I mean, whatever, it's easier when you're, you know, I'm not saying if you're <laughs> above 40 not to start anything because I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was 40 when I started. But um, yeah, um, yeah, no, but it's just you can ask like when you, you can – be you can ask dumb questions and people won't be like I don't know why they don't know that you know they'll be people will be more than willing to help you especially when you're younger I feel like you know you can be the naive 23 year old but it's harder to be the naive 40 year old so um so yeah I'd say get on it now if you're you know a 20 something with a great idea and just try to bring on as many people in the world you know if you want to you know help the environment then find people that are already doing it and you know people that are senior in that area and just get them on board and, you know, try to talk to as many people as you can. So, and also just don't reinvent the wheel. I mean, that's another thing. Like there's so like with the street paper, there was other papers out there. We figured out what to do. You know, we figured, talked to other organizations. Eventually we all got together and started a, like how to street, how to start a street newspaper guide. So other people could do it. Um, With the refugee care stuff, I'm partnered with some organizations um, uh, throughout the United States. There's eight of us and now there's going to be, 24 of us. Um, it's called the Hello Neighbor Network. It's through this organization in Pittsburgh, and it's just kind of coming together and sharing ideas because everybody's doing this, you know, we're all kind of doing the same thing. So, yeah. Spoken like a true ENT, what is it, ENTJ? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Just get out there and do it. That's a, that's a great advice. I appreciate it. Um, so last thing, I just want to make sure people know, like they can go to Homes Not Borders and support the organization. But in terms of like, the, you know, there's people all over the country, all over the world listening to this that would love to be able to support the refugee populations locally. What are some places they can look to or ways that they could um, make practical steps uh, to that you end mean through in their own hometown? Us or well, I want them to donate to Homes Not okay. Borders yeah. and give money. But if they're not in the D.C. area, what are things that people can do uh, to support their refugee population? Um, I mean, just look towards your local resettlement agency and see um, if they, how they need help. I mean, they might need help with, you know, furniture. They might need help with, you know, just family partners. A lot of them do that kind of thing. Um, there's, you know, just, yeah, Google resettlement agency and whatever your town is and see if there is one. Some, not all of them have them, but most of the bigger cities do. Um yeah, I would definitely do that. Uh, and then for Homes Not Borders, besides donating, we need uh, more people in career mentoring. I'm going to put a plug for that, oh. um, especially because it can be done virtually now. I mean, it's better when they're the DC area just to connect them to you know organizations in the area. But just uh, 
you know, any professional, particularly in the world of like finance consulting or like, uh, you know, development, uh, we definitely could use you to uh, partner with an SIV that's kind of looking to break into his uh, certain career. So. Well, my deepest thanks to Laura and her team at Homes Not Borders. For more on their work, head to homesnotborders.org. Make sure you check them out, support them, and thank you to Laura for being on the show today. If you have a moment before you leave, would you mind rating and reviewing this show on Apple Podcasts? Also, if you have other organizations or people that we should be hearing from, we really value your suggestions. So just go to your Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a nice rating and a review. Thank you for that. Of course, the conversation that has started here today will continue over on the New Activist Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of them have the same handle, New Activist Is, and our website is newactivist.is. A massive thanks to Propaganda, who scored today's episode. All of his music, merch, coffee, everything can be found at prophiphop.com. Today's show was produced by Christina Gore, hosted and directed by me, with additional editing by Chad Michael Snavely. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of Laura Thompson Osori, as well as our colleagues at International Justice Mission, I am Eddie Kuffeltz. Take care, friends. <laughs>